Welcome to another episode of In Moments Like These with David Graham. David is a speaker, author, businessman, former pastor, and founding director of Youth of a Mission, Montana. We believe that God is at work, constantly tugging at our hearts, working in and through relationship around us. Join us as we dive into a new devotional, as David shares a lifetime of personal moments and hopes to inspire you to see God the Father at work in your own moments. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of In Moments Like These. If it wasn't for the hand of God and the action taken by five skilled young men, my dear son Michael would certainly have died on an early spring morning in 1995. For purposes of today's episode, I asked Michael first for his permission to share his story and second, for accuracy's sake, if he would put it all down in writing for us. So here it is, Michael's harrowing story of the moments that should have been the most terrifying moments of his life. These are Michael's words. During peak spring snowmelt runoff in the Clearwater National Forest in northern Idaho, the Laksa River swells, pumping more volume than the Grand Canyon in an area half its size. The name Laksa translates to rough water in the native Nez Perce language. With its class four and five rated rapids, the six mile stretch that flows along US Highway 2, which connects Missoula, Montana to Lewiston, Idaho over Lolo Pass, has become a destination for whitewater enthusiasts from around the world. Camped on the bank of the Laksa is where I found myself during the spring of 1995. At age 20, during my junior year at the University of Montana, I was hired by one of the country's premier whitewater outfitters, which provided guided trips down the river. It was during the spring runoff that our training would take place. With only one summer of previous whitewater guiding experience, I was by far the least experienced amongst our crew of guides. Several of the guides had been working rivers for more than a decade. A handful of them had also spent a good amount of their free time over the last several years perfecting kayaking skills on the same rivers and tributaries that they guided on. My only kayaking experience, on the other hand, came from lessons in the university swimming pool, where we were taught basic paddling skills and learned how to roll the kayak from an upright position to an inverted position with head underwater and back to an upright position. Aside from my time in the perfectly calm and warm swimming pool, I had made only a few trips down a relatively tame stretch of the Blackfoot River, not too far from the university campus. If my new friends on the Laksa knew just how green of a kayaker I was, they likely would not have invited me to join them on their next adventure. This excursion was planned very casually over the flames of a late night campfire session. The short paddle was to begin early the next morning so that we could get it knocked out before training was to start that day. The plan was to kayak the Fish Creek tributary to the Laksaw River. How tough could this be, I thought to myself. It's just a creek, after all. As we pulled off Highway 12 onto the muddy and ruddy road that follows the creek up the drainage, I realized that I may have made a grave mistake. The creek was not at all what I had envisioned. Steep drops, frothing whitewater, and 
boulders dominated the 1.5-mile stretch. As we dismantled the kayaks from the roofs of our vehicles and readied our gear to begin the descent, my stomach was turning and my heart felt like it was in my throat. The more senior guys in the group could see that I was very nervous. They calmly assured me that they would have my back and that everything would be all right. The strongest paddler pulled me aside and explained that he would be following close behind me and that if something went wrong, he would be there for me. The next strongest paddler volunteered to take the lead. There were six of us paddlers altogether. With my adrenaline pumping, we shoved off. I was committed at that point. With the creek cranking at the level that it was, we wouldn't be able to stop ourselves until we reached the creek's convergence with the main channel of the Loxa. Our heads bobbed up and down as we weaved between the rocks and headed downstream. At times, the 50-foot-wide creek was narrowed to just 10 feet wide. Pushy waters poured over boulders, creating what boaters call holes, where water recirculates violently. A kayaker tries to avoid these hydraulic features at all costs. They can trap a kayak, rolling it and its occupant over and over again and preventing it from continuing downstream. Kayakers refer to this thrashing as being maytagged because it feels just like one might imagine it would feel like to take a ride in a giant maytag washing machine with a kayak attached to the hip. During a particularly technical part of the run, I felt my boat crest a submerged boulder. I knew I was in trouble as I dropped sideways into the foamy hole below. Almost immediately, I flipped upside down. My helmet slammed into a rock below. I set up to roll, but the pounding I was taking from the rocks and the water above made it feel impossible. On a fourth or maybe fifth try, I was finally able to right myself. The water pulled hard at the boat as I tried to paddle out of the grasp of the hole. I managed to get out and I was swept downstream. Out of balance and turned backwards, I slid over another boulder into another hole. I was recirculated underneath the water many times over before finally establishing an upright paddling position again. I surfed the hole in a sideways position as my boat was tossed. Eventually, a surge of water from upstream pushed me out, and again, I sped downstream. At that point, I was completely exhausted and disoriented, but I knew my struggle wasn't over. Battling to regain control, I slid yet another time over a boulder into a larger hole. This one was more turbulent and sticky than both before it. My helmet-protected head slammed rocks as the water pounded me. I couldn't seem to establish a setup for a successful roll. Spent from the previous two drops, I knew I wouldn't be able to handle the punishment for long. I began to sense that I was not going to make it out this time. As I finally began to give up and realized that I was likely going to die, an overwhelming sense of calm came over me. I used the last bit of energy I had to somersault myself out of my kayak, like I was taught to do in the still of the university pool. Separated from my boat, I was tossed in the churn of the hydraulic until I finally lost consciousness. I was told that my now limp body made it down the choppy creek 
and was urgently followed by the other boaters until the creek emptied into the relative calm of the Loxaw River itself. And there, they were able to drag me to shore and tend to my lifeless body until I regained consciousness and cleared my stomach and lungs of the cold tributary's water. God spared me that day. When catching up with the guys that evening by the campfire, they explained to me that each of the three drops had me battling underwater for nearly a minute at a time. I shared with the group that I had intensely feared drowning before that day. I always felt that it would be the most terrifying way to die. I shared that in the moments leading up to my losing consciousness, the moment I realized I was dying, I felt just the opposite of terrified. In fact, I felt total and complete peace. It was quiet and it felt warm. As we set out to paddle the main river on the next day, I felt a surge of nervousness, but it disappeared the moment I felt my paddle catch the current. As my boat slipped into the swift part of the river, I felt in sync with the water like I never had before. As I came out of the first set of rapids, I remember feeling proud of the fact that I didn't let fear keep me from pursuing my new passion. I felt exhilarated. I ended up working seven spring and summer seasons on the rivers as a whitewater rafting guide. I too spent much my free time in my kayak exploring the rivers with great respect for the strength of the river currents, but no longer with a fear of them taking my life. You know, I would like to express my deepest gratitude to those five river guides, those five I've never met, who helped save Michael. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for watching over my boy. There are two takeaways that I get out of Michael's story. When Michael realized he was dying by drowning, the one thing he had intensely feared that he had been most terrified of, he felt just the opposite of terrified. He felt total and complete peace. My first takeaway, God's people, the ones he watches over, will cross the finish line of their race on earth with an inexplicable and wonderful peace. That was exactly what I witnessed and was so amazed by when both my mother and father each finished their race on earth. And then what Michael said, after getting back into his kayak on the day after his near-death experience, he felt exhilarated over the fact that he hadn't let fear keep him from pursuing his new passion. His passion prevailed over, it ruled over his fears. So my second takeaway, God wants his people, the ones he watches over, to live life with a passion that prevails, that rules over fears. I would almost bet, dear friend, that you have memorized some or maybe all of King David's 23rd Psalm. Remember these words? King David spoke these following words with such precision and with such passion. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
you know, one might say. They make me feel warm. Mm. And dear friend, what should our passion be? Our passion should be to live our lives in accordance with the most passionate exhortation ever spoken, ever written. It's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. That's it. The most meaningful passion of all. And that is the kind of passion that prevails over fear. It's the kind of passion that brings peace and warmth today and on that day when we walk into and then dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dear friend, I know that you and I share in that same passion. And God loves us so much because we do. By the way, nearly 30 years after those days on Fish Creek, my son Michael shares in that very same passion too. Dear Father in heaven, we are so blessed to belong to you and so blessed to belong to your house. The passion that you and your dear son have demonstrated for our sake is incredible beyond words. We love you so much. Dear Holy Spirit, our comforter, please increase our passion even more. Let it be. Thank you for listening to another episode of In Moments Like These with David Graham. And we hope that this podcast and this episode can be another tool and resource to help you in this walk of faith. If this podcast has made a difference in your life, we would love to hear from you. Visit us online at inmomentslikethese.com. That's inmomentslikethese.com. 